You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. What do healthcare providers need to know about their options for an aging population of people with diabetes and home care management? Joining us to discuss home care management for our patients living with diabetes is Professor of Medicine at the New York University School of Medicine in New York City, Dr. Eric Reckow. Dr. Reckow, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you very much, Steve. Eric, this is an important topic uh, we don't talk about much uh, in the in the diabetes world, and it has tremendous implications for caring for our elderly, reducing the health care costs, and also our new, uh, you know, health care reform act. So let's let's just open it up with a general question: What is the percentage of health care spending for chronic illnesses like diabetes? Well, amazingly, approximately 85% of healthcare spending for the whole population in the United States is spent on people with chronic illnesses. Only about 15% is spent on people without a chronic illness. You know, that statistic is staggering because when I talk about taking care of people with diabetes, we talk about over $220 billion a year. Most of that is taking care of end-stage complications, heart attack, strokes, amputations, dialysis. And I, I wish a major part of that would go more towards prevention and early care. And it, it sort of relates to those statistics you just mentioned. What increases the probability of having a patient that's going to cost the system more? Well, basically, when you look at the uh, healthcare system, and you analyze how money is being spent both in the population under 65 and particularly in the population that's over 65 are senior citizens and Medicare beneficiaries. Uh, the most common thread in terms of increasing cost of care is the presence of chronic conditions and the number of chronic conditions uh, so that people with multiple chronic conditions cost more than those with fewer chronic conditions. Uh, indeed, approximately, let's take the Medicare population, approximately two-thirds or more of the Medicare dollar is spent on individuals with five or more chronic conditions. So multiple chronic conditions is a key driver. The, the other thing that's a key driver is when patients develop functional or activity limitations that limit their ability to self-direct or self-manage their illnesses, and that drives up costs further. Well, more specifically, um, are we talking about getting into a nursing home and, and costing the system more if you have multiple chronic conditions, or is this more elderly outpatient with Medicare population? Well, basically, it's a combination of a lack of ability to coordinate care outside of a hospital and a inadequate ability to keep people in their homes and out of nursing homes. So when you look at health care costs, you, first of all, recognize that a large proportion of the cost is being spent hospitalizing patients. Uh, in fact, with severe chronic illness, the majority of cost is spent in the hospital. And many of those hospitalizations are unnecessary if we could have cared for people at home and kept them healthier and more functional. And in addition, 
uh, without the kind of care coordination and support at home that's needed, often patients then have to be in a nursing home or other long-term care facility. So the cost of caring for people in facilities, whether they're acute care facilities or long-term care facilities, is enormous. And really, we could tackle this issue by by developing and promoting ways to take care of people in their own homes, keeping them healthier and more functional, and therefore avoid the cost of hospitalization or the cost of nursing home. Well, let's talk about some of the outcome studies uh, that support new approaches to taking care of our elderly. Well, let's talk about a couple of things. First, uh, let's talk about the Medicare demonstration projects that have been completed uh, the, these projects were funded by Medicare to try and understand how care coordination can change outcome and cost uh, in Medicare beneficiaries. They published uh, the, the, the series of, of these 15 demonstration projects were published in JAMA uh, last year, the first author being uh, Dr. Pikes, uh, and they showed that, in fact, when you use in-home face-to-face care management for people with multiple chronic illnesses, of which diabetes was one of them, um, that you change the you change their rate of hospitalization and change their cost and and therefore have a more efficient utilization of services and promote health. Uh, we have been in our own program, Senior Bridge, uh, looking at this issue. And in fact, if you do intensive in-home care management, where patients with multiple chronic illnesses are seen by nurse and social workers that work as a team in the home once a week, uh, ongoing basis, we've reduced hospitalization rate and emergency visit rate by 50%. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Stephen Edelman. I'm speaking with Dr. Eric Rakow. We are discussing new approaches to home care management for patients living with diabetes and other chronic illnesses. Well, Eric, um, tell us about the Senior Bridge uh, project that you've been working on and how was it set up and how does it work and what do our listeners need to know about it as it relates to their practices around the country? Well, Senior Bridge is an organization that provides uh, home care management by using a team of highly trained professionals, nurses and social workers who are trained in care management, trained in chronic illness, and trained in taking care of older adults. And by coordinating care in the home, both medical, uh, functional, psychosocial, behavioral issues, by coordinating the kinds of things that people with multiple chronic illness need in the home, uh, we've been able to uh, change how often a person goes to the emergency room and is hospitalized, and we've been able to keep people at home rather than having them in nursing homes. So I think that we're seeing a paradigm shift in healthcare occurring, and the healthcare reform debate surrounding the new law has brought to the forefront the issue of care coordination, to use the the overarching term, of and doing that at home so that we can have uh, less utilization of some of the higher cost methods of taking care of people like, like hospitals. Well, what I, what I heard um, just now is that one key thing is you have professionals trained to deal with the elderly, and two, you know, keeping them out of the hospital um, is key, especially with our new health care reform. And I wanted to ask you, 
this this sort of reminds me of hospice, but for the elderly. You know, what does hospice do? It keeps people out of the hospital, keeps them comfortable at home, you know, in their last dying days. This obviously is not the same situation, but you're just having a better system for people that are getting elderly. Who who pays for the system? So currently... Uh, Medicare does not cover long-term care management. Medicare does provide home health services for a short period of time for acute ner- nursing services, but doesn't fund chronic care management over over really years. Um, we are fortunate that in the health care reform law, there is funding to further develop demonstration projects to show how care coordination can improve outcome, and then the outlook would be that Medicare would then decide to cover that as a service. Uh, the other thing that is in the health care reform law is the class program that was sponsored by Ted Kennedy and probably be one of his lasting legacies, which is through the Medicare tax uh, we can now voluntarily contribute to purchasing long-term care insurance such that when you're older and you need that kind of support, you have long-term care insurance available to you. Uh, currently, people, therefore, if they're not covered by Medicare and they're not eligible for Medicaid, which does fund long-term care, they have to pay out of the pocket or they, they have to have a long-term care insurance policy that they've purchased. But it sounds like long-term care to me, is paying for your nursing home. And what Senior Bridge Program is about is keeping you at home, reducing the cost of taking care of, uh, you know, you at a nursing home and allowing a better quality of life. I mean, is that, am I getting that right? You hit it right on the head. That's exactly right. So we want to convert long-term care from nursing home, which is the way people usually think about it, to at home, and at the same time do that in a way that keeps people out of the hospital. And it can be done. We've done it at Senior Bridge. It's been shown in the literature, and I think now we see the industry, the healthcare industry, moving to look at how to fund that. Well, let me ask you this. Um, how is the Obama administration looking at programs like Senior Bridge? Are they uh, going to incorporate that as the health care reform folds out over the next couple of years to save money? I think when we when we look at what the Obama administration has done in that in that health reform bill where they have a center for innovations, it's my understanding there are now over 70 innovative uh, programs that have been submitted for funding, all centered around long-term care, care coordination, information technology, technology to promote better coordinated or integrated care between settings, uh, hospitals, emergency room, doctor's office, at home. So I think we're going to see an evolution over the next few years as that bill rolls out on various aspects, an approach that will produce better at-home care. Well, Eric, as we come to the end of the show, um, for our listeners, if they have a patient that's elderly that looks like they're heading towards a nursing home and they might be interested in some of these new home care programs, where could they find out about it? Well, I think they they can go to various resources that are available on the website. Uh, If they want, they can go to our own white paper that is published on www.seniorbridge.com and look at community resources. We just published a white paper with our advisory board on where the resources are, what type of resources. But in general, you can find those on the web, and, and they should think of home care or care management, and they can find those resources pretty easily. And in fact, I think the healthcare community is starting to coalesce around the concept of 
patient-centered medical home is the is the buzzword uh, in terms of how to organize and make sure we're caring for people in their homes in a way that is most cost-effective. Thanks, Eric. I'd like to thank our guest, Professor of Medicine at the New York University School of Medicine in New York City, Dr. Eric Rakow. Dr. Rakow, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. My pleasure. Very nice to be on your show. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. In last week's class, we talked about how diabetes affects the whole person, and we left off with an important question. Are we looking at every part of diabetes? Uh, To help us answer this question, I've invited one of my colleagues as a guest speaker, Dr. Jackie Brennan, who has been practicing endocrinology for over 25 years. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here to discuss a key issue in diabetes whether or not we're looking at the whole picture. As you know, sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. Weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction are also part of the problem. Specifically, I'd like to talk about GLP-1 and how it impacts multiple systems affected by diabetes. Can anyone tell me more about it? Yes, Jamie, go ahead. GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 are critical to glucose control. Exactly. In a glucose-dependent manner, GLP-1 stimulates the beta cells in the pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibits the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. Anyone know what else it does? What about you, Sam? Yeah, doesn't it help control weight by slowing gastric emptying and inducing a feeling of satiety? Yes, and GLP-1 may also play a role in improving beta cell function, a key to slowing diabetes progression. But why is this so important? It's because at diagnosis, type 2 diabetes patients have already lost 50% of beta cell function. Well, isn't impaired GLP-1 physiology also part of the problem in diabetes? Yes, that's a great point. People with type 2 diabetes may have impaired GLP-1 activity and or impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. This could contribute to problems that develop over time. That's why the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. GLP-1 regulates blood sugar in a glucose-dependent manner, may help control weight, and may improve beta cell function. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about the latest treatment available from Novo Nordisk, please visit glp1analog.com.